Hello and welcome to the New York Farm Bureau's Weekly News Bite, bringing you the latest news from the New York State agriculture world. Welcome to this week's edition of New York Farm Bureau's News Bites. I'm Steve Ammerman, Director of Communications for New York Farm Bureau. New York State has one of the most diverse agricultural sectors in the country. Our farmers grow and produce a lot of different things, which is one more reason why New York agriculture is so special. And each month here at Farm Bureau, we highlight that diversity by focusing on a different commodity, as we call it. The month of July is highlighting craft beverages, things like craft beer, spirits, and cider, all of which are booming in our state. All of these things start at the farm by producing ingredients like hops, corn, malted barley, and apples. And this week, we're featuring New York Farm Bureau member Black Button Distilling, started in Rochester by its founder and master distiller, Jason Barrett, more than a decade ago. He has developed award-winning bourbon, gin, and vodka using almost exclusively New York products. And he's now going a step further by buying his own farm to raise juniper trees for gin and oak trees to construct his bourbon barrels. We had a great conversation with Jason about spirit making and the importance of New York agriculture. But we started with the most pressing question. Where did you get the name for Black Button? My name is Jason Barrett, and I am the master distiller and founder here at Black Button Distilling in Rochester, New York. It's called Black Button because my family has actually been making buttons in the Rochester area since 1922. My great-grandfather worked on the shop floor. My grandfather was a salesman. My mother actually still runs that company today. But when I was very young, we discovered that I am colorblind. So there was an issue with me taking over the family business is that I can't see the difference in the thousand shades of green, thousand shades of blue, thousand shades of red. So the joke when I was a kid was if I did take over the family business, we'd have to switch to only making black buttons. So I decided I would make some black buttons, but of the liquid variety instead. So tell me a little bit about what you produce, the varieties, the different bourbons. When someone says, I want to try a black button bourbon, what does that mean? What is the flavor profile? Our standard, uh, what I started the company to make and what we make most of the time is a four grain bourbon. So it's 60% corn, 20% wheat. 9% rye, 11% malted barley. It's going to be a little softer, a little sweeter than some of your Kentucky bourbons. That 20% corn really just mellows the flavor out. So to me, it's great on the rocks, great neat, or in an old-fashioned or a Manhattan. We then make a number of variations on that. So maybe our cast strength or our single barrel, cast strength being right as it comes out of the barrel at you know 115 proof. You know, just really going to smack you. And some people are big fans of that. Single barrel being when one individual barrel has everything we're looking for. So most barrels have almost everything but are missing something. They're going to go into a blend. Our blends are going to be anywhere from 20 to 80 barrels. But about 2% of the time, the barrel has everything we're looking for. The sweet, the spice, the oak, the follow through, the, the mouthfeel, the palate, the nose. And that's going to get bottled as a single barrel, which is a flavor experience that's just never going to happen again because it's that one day, that one barrel, that one spot in the warehouse, all of that ends up impacting the flavor. And so we get to try different single barrels when those conditions are just right. So as a New York farm distillery, we're going to be using New York State grain. We're at about 99% of all of our ingredients coming from New York. So our corn, our wheat, and our rye are going to come from Edgewood Farms in Groveland, New York. And then Mermation Malts in Bloomfield does our malted barley from a variety of farms in the Bloomfield Candateway area. You're getting into the farming business yourself, literally with some land that you purchase not far from here. What are you wanting to do 
with your own farm and how it is going to help your business here at the distillery? Yeah, so I have 19 acres in the Bristol Hills, not big enough to grow the grains that we need because we're obviously larger than that at this point. But there's a lot of other agricultural components we use, many of which actually traditionally grow well in New York, but aren't harvested due to the complex costs of harvesting. So one of the key ones there is juniper. We, we make a lot of gin. Right now, our juniper has to come from Bulgaria. There is no commercial supplier in the United States. But Juniper Virginius and Juniper Commonus actually grow well in this area. It's just the cost to harvest is too extreme and can't compete on a uh, global market. But we've planted 5,000 juniper trees over the last five years. And about three years from now, we hope to have our first harvest. We're working with some of the folks at Cornell to modify a blueberry picker that will hopefully be able to pick juniper berries. Also, it's almost like a comb with a basket and you could then comb the trees rather than picking the berries individually. And there's two interesting parts of this. One, bringing the taste of you know New York juniper to this product. But if anybody's familiar with like wet hop beer, which is where they pick the hops in the morning and then brew the beer in the afternoon, we're gonna be able to do the same thing with juniper. So almost all juniper that's used now has been freeze dried. It's between six and 18 months old. And although that's the standard we're all used to, I believe that we will be able to get a significantly more flavorful product out of using stuff literally picked the same day. And that's only possible when the farm and the distillery are closely aligned and, and distance-wise closely related. The other interesting part, we have six honey beehives. We grow all of the honey that we use in our cocktails here in the tasting room. And then we have white oak trees that have been standing for about 45 years. Each one of those we bring down, we plant 10 more so that we hopefully have a, a regeneration of that. But we have, as far as I know, the first white oak barrel staves cut from New York oak trees aging right now up at Adirondack Cooperage. And in about two years, we will fill them with New York bourbon. And five years after that, we will be able to drink a New York bourbon aged in New York oak. And that's just something I'm very, very much looking forward to. When you started Black Button, did you immediately know you wanted a tight connection to your local agricultural community and your local farmers? Definitely. So that was actually a whole kind of key component of the brand idea. I had always been really into local food and where is your food coming from and shopping at farmer's markets. And I basically, you know, as I studied the whiskey industry, I was realizing that the big distilleries are really optimized for cost. How do I get the most gallons of alcohol out of this corn kernel, you know, regardless of what it tastes like, we'll let the barrels clean it up. And so I theorized that if we started with higher quality ingredients, took a more careful approach to the mashing, brewing and distillation process, we could get a superior quality product without having to wait nearly as long. And that has what has come to pass. We actually sought out the farmer. It was one of the key components before we went forward with the business was lining up the farm that was willing to grow specific varietals and dry them to specific moisture contents and grind them to a specific grind and deliver them on the schedule we need and take away the spent grain. All of that was actually key before we went to the bank and borrowed the money for the equipment, partly because also we had to get the seeds in the ground ahead of time. So we, we actually committed to our farmer before we committed to our address. I've always been interested in local food, again, going to local farmers markets. I think the fact that we're only a few hundred feet down from the Rochester public market does mean that a lot of our customers are also already into that. But I can definitely say that over the last 10 years, I've seen more restaurants sourcing locally, looking to highlight those local items on their menus. And 
Yeah, I mean, I, I see it in the grocery store. I mean, you know, they, they've got good signage that this produce was grown locally, not flown halfway around the world to get it to your table. And I think the pendulum is swinging back where, where more people care about that and they are willing, you know, if there is a premium cost to it, they are willing to bear that premium cost to a degree. You know, it, it can't be 10 times as expensive, but if it's 20% more, but, you know, it's a lower carbon footprint and a, and a better quality product, I think there is definitely a population that's interested in that. I'm hoping that Edgewood Farms continues to grow every single pound of grain that we use, and, and they've still got plenty of room to expand for us. There's folks in Texas that are using Texas ingredients to make Texas bourbon, and I certainly applaud that, but I think it would add a lot of complexity on our end. And there's an interesting question that the weather up here also has a large impact on bourbon as well. So these barrels are going to age in basically a big metal equipment barn for four to eight years. We kind of joke about it here in Western New York where you know, sometimes you can have all four seasons in one day, but that's actually really good for barrels of bourbon. When they heat up, the whiskey pushes into the wood, and when they cool down, the whiskey gets drawn back out of the wood. If you were to take our very barrels, fill them with our New York-grown whiskey, but then ship them off to Tampa or Denver or Houston, let them age for four years and bring them back, they would taste totally different. And actually, I, I may try that at some point as just a experiment to show folks yeah, these all eight barrels were made the same day, but they were aged in eight different locations around the country just to highlight what is possible here. But if I was designing a weather system for whiskey, this is about as good as it gets. You can hear the passion in Jason's voice as he talks about Black Button, but it's more than the spirits that make his day. It's the people. It's the people you get to work with, the experiences you get to have. I mean, some of these guys have grown here. It might have been their first or second job out of college behind the bar. Then they moved up to the bottling line. Now they're an assistant distiller. You know, they met their girlfriend at an event and now they're getting married, buying houses, having kids. And it really does become a family atmosphere where we really care about the other people that we work with. They're not just people we hang out with. They're an extension of our family. So although like any family, we can drive each other nuts sometimes. It's the people is why I do what I do. Speaking of people, Farm Bureau members. You've gotten, as you mentioned, you're on the Ontario County Farm Bureau Award. What has that experience taught you and how has that helped your business and, and your outlook on, on what you do? I think the biggest impact it's had on me was not realizing just how complex everything is and how large portions of the population maybe don't realize how their actions impact farmers. So for instance, we had a local city that decided to beautify a street. They put a lot of money into beautifying that street, but unfortunately cut it from four lanes to two. They then put up these really high curbs. And now all of a sudden you can't get farm equipment down this road anymore. And the nearest wide street to go around not only involves two pretty steep hills, but is over 12 miles out of the way, which at the price of diesel and everything else is really a problem. And, you know, when we educated these uh, transportation authorities on this, they were very apologetic. They also had already finished the project and the money had been spent. So they really weren't inclined to do anything about it. And these are just issues I don't think I was aware of before being on the actual board. I've gotten to meet a lot of great farmers and, and hear their stories and what they do. And I think we still have a, lot, a large way to go in educating folks on what the Farm Bureau can do to help them as well as why participating in the process is so important. Another interesting fact, 
Black Fund would not be here without the Farm Bureau. I can name several instances. The first one being that they connected us with our farm, helped us, you know, cement that relationship so we could get the high quality grains that we wanted. But twice they've helped us pass laws that made it so we could continue our business. And then the biggest one, we once got a letter from the federal agency that govern us saying that we had some paperwork that was not in order. And this was confusing because we had sent the paperwork in 10 months earlier. And the letter said that if we did not get it corrected within 30 days, we would be forced to close. The letter also had no date on it. So I had to sort of guess as to what they thought 30 days was. We were calling, we were emailing, we were not getting anywhere. Big federal bureaucracies can be a challenge for a small business to navigate. But we're now at day like 27 or 28. And we're really, I mean, we're starting to shut the equipment down because we can't get an answer. And we're literally expecting the feds to show up guns drawn with padlocks. And our local uh, Farm Bureau representative calls me about something else. And he can tell that I'm just distraught. I was not my normal chipper self. And so he asks, you know, Jason, what, what's wrong? In all the years I've known you, you've never been such a sourpuss. And I tell him, and within 45 minutes, I'm on the phone with a gentleman in Chuck Schumer's office. Within two hours, they've gotten through to the congressional liaison for this government agency. It turns out our paperwork had been properly filed, but it had been assigned to an investigator that had retired. And we just got missed during this gentleman's retirement. And without the senator stepping in on our behalf, I do think they would have closed our business for an indeterminate amount of time. And without the Farm Bureau's help, I don't know that we would have gotten the attention of congressional staff. So if for no other reason that there is power in numbers, I think the Farm Bureau is one of the best investments my business makes every year. Hopefully other farm distilleries can you know, see the same value yes, <laughs> in a we, Farm Bureau membership. We, we tell that story often. And actually what's interesting to me, I mean, about 80% of the distilleries in New York are farm distilleries, and most of them are very open to joining the Farm Bureau. I don't think it's a money issue or not seeing the worth. I think they just are juggling too many things. And though the ones that don't join, I think intend to just sometimes the paperwork gets lost. Yeah. But I think, you know, Farm Bureau is a very diverse organization, as diverse as New York agriculture is. And the fact that farm distilleries are now a part of the fabric of New York agriculture, you know, speaks to that diversity and, and to the membership of New York Farm Bureau. Yeah. Well, the Farm Bureau was instrumental in getting the farm distilling laws passed. And I often remind distillers they were passed for the benefit of farmers as a value-added production opportunity, not necessarily, you know, the, the state is not exactly excited about hard alcohol. It's still kind of the redheaded stepchild. It doesn't get the press that the wineries and the breweries get. But by convincing them that, you know, that New York has lots of good corn, wheat, rye, buckwheat, you know, all these great things that can be turned into value-added products, that was how we convinced the legislators to allow us to do this. And without the Farm Bureau's support, that would not have happened. Where do you see, you know, the future of Black Button? Obviously, you talked about the additions with the farm and making your own oak barrels, but you're now in 14 states, correct? We are in 14 states and we export to Japan. So you've already 
expanded quite a bit in the past 10 years and have really named it, made a name for yourself as one of the leading, if, if not the best, bourbon, New York-made bourbon. In fact, you won that award recently. The U.S. Corn Growers Association named us the best bourbon in America at the Heartland International Spirit Competition. I definitely got in some trouble with my friends in Kentucky. I believe it was the first time a non-Kentucky bourbon took that award. That was pretty special for us. That's very special. So with, with that kind of reputation, where do you want things to go from here? So we are still growing. We're actually going to be moving in about a year, only a mile. So we're not going very far, but we're going from 5,000 square feet to 28,000 square feet, where we'll be able to add some additional fermenters, increase our production by about 4X, as well as have a larger tasting room with a private party space and more ability to offer classes and individualized experiences so people can really see what we're doing here in the back. But we, we plan on continuing to buy more New York grain, turn it into great New York whiskey. I don't know that we're going to add a lot more states. We have a lot of room to grow in places like Texas and Massachusetts where we're just getting started. But even in New York, although we are well distributed in New York, there's still large parts of the Hudson Valley where we're still building our name up. And I'd like to see us do that. But I, I think the sky's the limit. And as long as we can keep making high quality spirits, I'm all for it. Best of luck to you. We're excited to watch where it goes. And I know we certainly appreciate the attention that you give to the New York farmer. We wouldn't be here without it. I always say no farms, no bourbon. Thanks to Jason for his time and we wish him the best of luck with his farm and expansion plans. Well, that will do it for this week's edition of New York Farm Bureau's News Bites. Next week, we will take a look at what's on the horizon for New York agriculture as we bring you highlights from New York Farm Bureau's Future of Agriculture Summit. We wish you a great day, and as always, remember to thank a farmer for all that they do.